I hope you caught the contrast between the song, I want, I want you to be my true companion, you know, when age, when we're old, walking together, and the film club, which is kind of more probably relevant in terms of the age in which we live, where sexuality is looked upon more lightly, not as much with commitment that, would, that should go with it, according to the scriptures. That's kind of what we wanted to portray for you, because I want to just take you to the Bible. You know, this is a tough subject. I mean, I don't, I'm very open and blunt, and I don't mind talking about anything, but I mean, this is a tough subject. There's a lot of folks here who kind of hear this, and they're going to go like, nah, I'm not sure I'd buy that. It's okay. Just just listen. It's not something I wrote. Um, it's been there, ancient wisdom from the Bible, for a long, long time. Um, it's the Bible, you know. And um, there are some here who are single, some who are divorced, some who are widowed. Difficult thing to talk about sex with a group like that. Some that aren't yet married, that's okay, but some maybe who don't see any great hope of that anytime in the near future. And what do you do with those people? Um, um, you know, wherever you are on this, this spectrum of life, you need to know this. And furthermore, if, if not exactly relevant for your particular situation, at least for those that some friends around, people that you know, uh, people in your family, good friends, whomever, kids, grandkids, whatever the case may be. So that, that just kind of involves everybody. And whenever you deal with this, there's always a situation of kids. What about kids that might be here? First of all, we do have kids' stuff for up through fourth and fifth grade age, you know, in the back or back there. So feel free if you, uh, nobody will think anything about that. If you want to, if you didn't know that and you want to do that right now, feel free to do that. But the other thing about that is this. If you object, you know, if you had high school kids or junior high kids in here, and you and you're and the thing that I would say is, the only reason they shouldn't hear something as blunt as this from the scriptures would be if you don't have television in your home and have never had it, or if they've never been to a movie, or if they never walk through the mall and see some of the advertising that goes on there. I mean, you know, this is the one place that has, I believe, failed that needs to be presenting a positive view of what the whole thing about sex really is and what the Bible teaches. And, and this is where the church, big C, universal, has failed over and over and over again. I want to make sure we don't do that. That's why it's not, a, I, I joke about it, but it's not an unhealthy thing to be able to, to have some teaching on this from the Scriptures at least once a year, if not more. So, so there you go. And there's always those here, and I'm going to talk to you more in a moment. There are always those in a situation like this who have violated this whole, all these principles. And you may, I, I, you, my purpose is not to make you feel guilty. My purpose is not to make you feel shame. I want to just show you the truth. And, and you know what? We still serve a God who forgives. And you need to understand that. So I'm not here to try to make anybody feel shame or anything like that. So, so hang on with me. And I, I've got some principles that I want you to see. And, and you know, this is, the, this is the deal on this thing that you, that you really need to hear loud and clear. And that is this. Sex is such an important subject because that's how God made us. That's how he made us. That's who we are. 
And to, to try to deny that or to try to get some sort of a thing going on that where God doesn't care about that, that is just wrong. And, and, and we need to see what God says about that from the Bible and be able to kind of act upon it, if at all possible. So just take it from here. I started to call this, it's called Principles of Fulfilled Lovemaking from the Inventor of Sex. I started to call this um, Lessons in Sex from a 35-Year Veteran. Um, I wondered if you would get that. Um, but the truth is, I won't be married for 35 years until October. Okay, so Charlie and I celebrate our 35th anniversary in, 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 in October. So I can't say 35 years, but I say 34 plus, okay? Um, and uh, there's, some, there's some good stuff here. So let's just jump into this thing, all right? Few, about four principles I want you to see, and we'll talk about some different things. Number one, lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. Sex, lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. And the Bible talks about that very clearly. Um, for instance, in the, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians says this, chapter 7, now about the questions that you ask in your letter. This is Paul responding back to the Corinthian church who had asked about, about this subject. Yes, it's good to have a celibate life. But because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. Each woman should have her own husband. Right? Makes it very clear. There's a lot of immorality... There's, there's nothing wrong with sex, but have your husband, your wife, one of the reasons, not the only reason, one of the reasons for marriage is sexual fulfillment with one another. That's the way God made us. And this is the, this is the, the way in which he has sought to have us fulfill that need and desire that's a part of all of us. Um, Proverbs puts it this way. I like this. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 5. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in public? Have sex with just anyone. You should reserve it for yourselves, not share it. Don't share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you. At always, always, look at this, may, may you always be captivated or intoxicated, is the way one Bible translated, by her love. Isn't that good? Gosh, that's in the Bible? Yeah, man, it's right there in the Bible. Didn't know that was in there. Didn't get that off the internet? No, it's right there in the Bible, you know? And, and, and we need to see that. Now, under this particular point, Lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. I want to deal with two or three things that I want you to think about. Because one of the things that always comes up, particularly in a sophisticated group like, like this, well, what about the culture, Rich? Isn't this culture different than the biblical culture? And let me just, let me just say, no, it was just... I mean, we're talking, we're talking in Corinth, where this, the, where, the, where this letter comes from. We're talking a, a, a society that it was obsessed with sex, 65 A.D., They were so obsessed with sex, they had the temple of Aphrodite where temple prostitutes would go. They made it part of their quote-unquote religion to have sex with other people. So don't don't tell me that, well, we're living in a different culture. Today's culture is is more obsessed with sex. No, we're not. I'm not saying we're any more or any less, but it was just as much of an issue then. And you need to understand that. Now... Here's the issue that you need to think about. It's real simple. It's real plain. I'm going to say, state this and give you, just right up front, give you God's view uh, from the Bible on this thing, and then we're going to kind of expand it a little bit. If you love someone enough to have sex with them, marry them. 
If you don't love them enough to marry them, don't have sex with them. I mean, it's really not that complicated, is it? You know, it, it, and that's, that's part of the issue here. And some people will say, and this is where we get into some touchy, touchy things, and I want to be sensitive to this, but I want to just present a view maybe you haven't heard in a while. Um, maybe you've heard it here, maybe not, or maybe nowhere else, I don't know, or not anywhere else. Um, some say, well, you know, you know you, this whole thing, your sexual, your hormones are raging wild in your 20s, and we all know you shouldn't get married until you're about 30 or so at least in our culture where we live now. You know, who said that? Who started that? You know, and, and, and what's wrong with, you say, well, you don't know what you want when you're 20. Hey, I'm 56. I don't know what I wanted when I was 40. What are you talking about? You know? Uh, you can say that just about any time of your life. And you need to think through that whole thing. And if there is that person that you believe, you don't get married just for sex, but if that person is there that you believe is God's person for you, Get married, and if you're, you know, many times, and there are people on any given Sunday here who live together that aren't married, some I know about, some I don't, and I love them, and I accept them just like I do anybody else, they're welcome to come back here, we love them, okay, and so I don't want them to feel ostracized, but many, many times, many times in my life as a pastor, I've had people come to me and say, you know, we've been living together, in some cases I knew, in some cases I didn't. And, uh, and, and it's so funny, they, they would some, they'd come and say, you know, we've been living together for you know, so many months, so many years, and every time you kind of allude to this, we kind of feel a little, little tinge here. What, what do you think we should do? And I said, do you love each other? This has really happened a number of occasions. I said, do you really love each other? Yeah, we really do. I said, are you committed to each other for the rest of your lives? Yeah, we really are. I said, okay. Really beloved, we're gathered here. <laughs> here we go. I can make this happen right now. I'm legal, you know. <laughs> and a couple of people have taken me up on it. I'm dead serious about that. A couple of other people have said, can we wait for a week? I'll say, yeah, but I'm going to check on you in that week, okay? Um, so, you know, that's also a possibility. And, and someone says, well, I'm not ready for marriage yet. Okay. Well, then let's don't sleep together yet. Okay? Because... One of, the re- one of the things, not, just, just for the record, and this isn't a reason, what, the only reason not to, but you know, you hear these little kids crying every now and then. Guess what happens? Where that comes from? Never mind. Anyway, um, you haven't figured that out yet, huh? Um, so th- th- my point is this. Wherever you are in this whole thing, there's nothing wrong in spite of what our culture says. There's nothing wrong with getting married young. Nothing wrong. I was 21. You say, well, you were really, really young. Well, you say, well, you're in a different age. Maybe. You know, Midwest, I actually was probably one of the last guys of my high school class to get married. Um, that's true. I really was. I was 21, and I won some bets and won some steak dinners because of that. But, um, but um, part of the issue there has to do with a certain level of expectation, a level of standard. And you say, how can you know when you're 21 what you're going to like when you're 56. Well, you can't. But when I saw my wife, I thought, I'll love her the rest of my life. And I'm right. But who wouldn't? Because she's gorgeous and beautiful. But, but, um, but you, you, there's a lot of things you don't know when you're 21. Should I have her stand up so everybody can see her? No, she won't do it. She hates this. She hates this. <laughs> Just wave your hand up. Okay. <laughs> Charlene is not the uh, public person in our family. I guess you figured that out. Um, um, (laughs) 
Can you know what you're going to want when you're 50 or 60, when you're 20? Well, no, of course not. But if there's a love there, you can figure it out. And you can work it out. That's the thing. Whenever I marry somebody anymore, I get, I'm, maybe it's, I'm getting to be an old softy. Whenever I marry somebody, I always have tears in my eyes because I'm thinking, excuse us, if you're visiting, just hang on for a moment. I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking when I'm doing this. I'm thinking, you don't know what in the hell you're in for. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm really thinking that, you know. And, 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 and so, so, no, you don't. But if you love each other and you're committed to one another before each other and before God, you're going to figure this thing out. Good times and bad times. Richer and poorer. Sickness and health. Hmm. That's the thing. And, and, and I, I think we've kind of done really a, a number on our culture when we say, gosh, you've got these raging hormones when you're in your early 30s or in your early 20s. <laughs> in your 50s too, for that matter. Um, and, and you, you, you don't want to get married until you're 30. Well, what are you supposed to do? And I think the culture is really, I think, I think the culture is wrong, frankly. I just think it's, I think it's a wrong culture thing on that. Now, that doesn't mean you're wrong if you get married when you're 30 or 40. Not saying that at all. Not, not saying that at all. Or even 50. But the point being, when we have this certain level of expectation and saying, well, you shouldn't get married until this point, in the meantime, just sort of just do what you want. That's not going to be all. That's not going to be a healthy thing. Usually, some of you can 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 speak into that. Some of you can say, "Yeah, I wish I hadn't had that. I wish that hadn't happened there." And again, all I can say to you is, "Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for forgiveness, and move on from where you are now." So you need to see that. Now, what about what about this this question? It's a legitimate question. People say, "Well, what about sexual compatibility?" How many times have you heard that? Well, you know, you really, you really don't, you're not going to buy a new car without trying it out. You know, you've heard that before? How, I've heard that. I've heard uh, you're not going to try on a pair of shoes without putting them on first. I have an answer to that. I'm going to throw my shoes away, and I'm going to eventually get a new car. I'm married to this woman for life. It's not like buying a pair of shoes. It's not like buying a new car. It's a relationship that is based on love. And you say, are you sexually compatible? Not always. person who's been married almost 35 years, I can tell you, not always. But that's where, you, that's where you have to start. You ready for this? Big word. Big word. Bad word, too. Communication. That's where you have to start communicating. What, what do you need, honey? That's not always easy, by the way. That's not like, what do you need, honey? Here's what I need. You know, for me, the hardest thing was not asking what she needed because I want to hear that. For me, the hardest thing was being able to say, here's what I need. We even had to go through some therapy a couple times to to kind of figure that out. Not everybody needs that. We did. So my point is this. You know, when you start communicating and you start thinking through this thing and you start talking about sexual compatibility or any kind of compatibility, there are going to be challenges in your marriage. If you've been married more than 10 hours, you're going to have those kinds of issues. Okay, so you need to understand the hindrances. There are millions of hindrances. There are men and women on the prowl looking for somebody else all the time. They're out there. They're everywhere. They might even be in here. They're always there. That's always going to be an issue for all of us. And that's why we have to just really stay committed to God and stay committed to the one that that we're just in love with and hold each other in 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 just honor and esteem and be able to be honest with each other about that particular issue. The internet has really hurt us a lot in this area of pornography. 
You say, what's wrong with pornography? Many things, but here's one of them. It dehumanizes sex. It dehumanizes women more than anything. Um, and, 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 and it, but it also does is, is it gives, gives just a certain um, level of wrong expectations at times um, for people, just unrealistic expectations. And so that's, that's another reason we don't need to be perusing. There's a many a reason why we don't need to be perusing uh, pornography. I mean, just aside from the, what it does to women, the people who are involved and what's done to them and so forth. Uh, but aside from that, just what it can do to a marriage and what you get a really distorted view of what this whole beautiful thing called sex is really all about. So that's where it's... That's where it's so there's all kinds of hindrances to this. And that's why when we talk about lovemaking, it's intended for a lifetime love affair with one, one husband, one wife. I realize when I say that there are some here who've been divorced. You know what? Deal with where you are now. Don't start thinking back, well, he's really beating me up. I'm not. Start now. That's an important issue. Lovemaking should be centered on your mate. This is a very simple point. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3. Husband should not deprive his wife of sexual intimacy, which is her right as a married woman, nor should the wife deprive her husband. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband, this is an equal thing here. The husband also gives authority over his body to his It's an equal thing. Sometimes people get all, they, they have all kinds of wrong views of the Bible because they say it's a very, it's a very male-centered thing. That's not male-centered, that's male and female right there. That's written, like I said, 65, circa 65 A.D. A lot of people have distorted the Scripture, but the Scripture is very clear about this for the husband and the wife. And it's very important. He says it should be, it should be centered on the other person. You know, and, and can you imagine what's going to happen in marriage if each person is trying to please the other person? In every area of life, not just sexually, but in every area of life. Wow, that's what marriage is supposed to be. That's really cool. Shouldn't be something manipulative. It shouldn't be something that's demanded. Shouldn't be some kind of a reward punishment type of thing. It's about a relationship of love, a lifetime love affair, and displaying that to one another. Third thing about this, this is really important. Love making should be frequent. You say, "Oh, I was waiting for that one, Rich." Yes, sir. I was waiting for that one. Um, let me show you again in First Corinthians chapter seven, verse five. So, so do not deprive each other of sexual relations. The only exception to this rule would be in the agreement of both husband and wife to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so they can give themselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, they should come together again. Why? So that Satan won't be able to tempt them because of their lack of self-control. Self-control there is assumed, huh? Excuse me, the lack of self-control is assumed to be an issue. Lovemaking should be frequent. Say, wow, well, because he says, if, you know, if you're going to agree together, not one of you, but together, if you're going to agree, you know, let's just kind of not do this just for a little while. So I, just, I need to pray through some things. That's fine. Say, how long is a limited time? I'm going to let you determine that, okay? I'm not going to get into, well, is this once a week or three times a week or what, ten times, whatever. That, you know, you read all these statistics of the average couple. Don't read that crap, Okay. Because, first of all, people lie about that, okay? I know guys lie about it, okay? I'll just tell you that right now. I know guys lie like a rug over that issue. Um, oh, yeah, me and my wife, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. I was born, but not last night, buddy. Um, 
So don't pay attention to those statistics. Those are so skewed. You can, you can look them up and look them up and say, the average married couple has sex. So many, okay, great, okay. What planet are you living on? Um, you need to determine for you and your mate what works. How that measures up against the quote-unquote lying statistic of the national average doesn't matter, whether it's more or whether it's less. We're talking about you and your mate. And only you two can determine that, the two of you together. Obviously, there are other complications like children and work and, and, and you know, other stuff. Golf, no. Uh, other things. Just kidding. Golf would never measure up with that. Um, lovemaking should be frequent. Last thing I want you to see, and I've already touched on this, and it's very simple. Lovemaking limits temptation. Lovemaking limits temptation. He said that in 1 Corinthians 7 when he says, because there is, in verse 2, because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. Okay? He says that in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, don't deprive each other of sexual relations. You know, he says that again later on in, verses, in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9, I, I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. Watch this. this is, do I have this? Um, but if they can't control themselves... They should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. If you're one of us, I don't know if anybody's like this or not. I'm not trying to preach to you on this. Well, maybe I am. Um, but if you're one of those people and you're engaged and you're trying to stay chaste and you're engaged and you say, well, our engagement, we're getting married next year. You're going to hear from me, who are you kidding? Because one of the things, and I've had that comment, well, I said, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? Sure, well, I'd love to marry you. When are you going to get married? We're going to get married in 2008. And I said, and you guys are going to keep your hands off each other until then? I don't think so. You know? I mean, you say, well, that's not a problem with us. We're just going to go ahead and do what we want to do. You can do that. Okay? You can do that, certainly. But if you, if you, desire, if you desire to do it God's way, in, in the Bible, um, and, and, and to remain chaste, you know... Just get married. If you know that's the person, that's a big if. If you know that's the person for you, just get married. You say, well, I want a big, pretty wedding. Great. Get married now and have a big, pretty reception. Okay? Or, or, or whatever. I, you know, and, and, and this is a huge issue here. So that's the point. Lovemaking limits temptation. Not the only reason to get married, but it certainly is one of them. A good sex life limits temptation, doesn't eliminate it, but it certainly limits it. Four things there. Lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. Lovemaking should be centered on your mate, your husband. Lovemaking should be frequent. Lovemaking limits temptation. I've got to say this again. What if I'm here and I've really screwed this up? I mean, I've really messed this up, and I'm right here right now. What do you have for me, Rich? And maybe it's because you, maybe you're single and you've really been... Maybe you've been just really uh, immoral. Maybe you're divorced and, and you're looking for the new mate. Maybe you're divorced in another marriage. Maybe you're somewhere else. Let me tell you something. Start right now where you are, wherever you are. Start now. Just start now. It's never too late to start doing what is right in God's eyes. It's never too late. Can't do anything about what happened last night or last week or last year or the last decade. Can't do anything about that, but you can now. 
And, you, and, and, and there are some of you still who aren't convinced. Say, yeah, I, I see what you're saying and I understand it. I'm, I'm still in this relationship and, and I want to stay in that. You know what? All I would ask, just, just think about it. Pray about it. Pray about where you are. You know, just ask God to give you some wisdom and some thoughts and some help to think through this and see where it goes. Well, I will say this, and I want to close with this. For those of us who are married, love your husband, love your wife, passionately, deliberately, wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and in every way. I want, to, I want to conclude this with this. This is something that comes right out of the Bible. You'll see where in just a moment. I'm going to try to read it in a way that will get you there. This is just throughout the Bible. It's, talking to husband, it's first the husband talking to his wife, and then it's the wife talking to, his, to her husband. And this is, this, is, this is so hot it sizzles, okay? Ah, this is good. Shapely and graceful your sandaled feet, and queenly your movement. Your limbs are lithe and elegant, the work of a master artist. He likes her body. Your body is a chalice, wine-filled. Your skin is silken and tawny, like a field of wheat touched by the breeze. Your breasts are like fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is carved ivory, curved and slender. Your eyes are wells of light, deep with mystery, quintessentially feminine. Your profile turns all heads, commanding attention. The feelings I get when I see the high mountain ranges, the stirrings of desire, longings for the heights, remind me of you, and I'm spoiled for anyone else. Your beauty, within and without, is absolute, dear lover, close companion. You're tall and supple like the palm tree, and your full breast are like sweet clusters of dates. I say, I'm going to climb that palm tree. I'm going to caress its fruit. (laughs) This guy's into this. Oh, yes, your breasts will be clusters of sweet fruit to me. Your breath, clean and cool like fresh mint. She didn't use Listerine. Your tongue tongue and your lips are like the best wine. Now, here's, here's the bride. Yes, and yours are too, my love's kisses flow from his lips to mine. I am my lover's. I'm all he wants. I'm all the world to him. Come, dear lover. Let's tramp through the countryside. Let's sleep at some bed and breakfast, wayside inn. Then rise early and listen to the bird song. Let's look for wildflowers in bloom, blackberry bushes blossoming white, fruit trees festooned with cascading flowers. And there I will give myself to you, your love, my love to your love. That's smoking hot right there, baby. Man. You okay with this, Charlene? Okay, anyway. uh, No. um, (laughs) Thank God for the truth. May we seek to live by it. Guys, come on up. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for what's here. Help us to understand it. Help us to think through it if we're not convinced. And help us, Lord, if we are, to live it. We thank you for Jesus who came and lived and suffered and died and rose again to give us life eternally and abundantly. That you care about every aspect of our lives, God. That's an amazing, amazing thing. And we thank you for your love and for your grace. 
and, the, and just, the, just, the, just the truth, just the teaching that you give us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.